Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey everyone, we know this episode has taken a long time uh, to come out, but we had a few issues with editing and recording. Uh, One of our actors had to drop out of the series and we're very sad to see him go, but we got someone to come in and take his place. So... You, we won't say who it is, but you'll probably be able to tell uh, when you start listening to the episode. Uh, it was a main character, but we found someone else to take his place, and we think that the new actor will fill in just fine once he gets used to the character. Um, we also had some problems with editing. Uh, uh, our friend Dylan, who was editing for us, uh, had to stop momentarily because of school. Um, he had a lot of schoolwork, so I took over, and together I think we created a pretty awesome episode. It's over an hour long. That also added to why this episode took so long to come out, not to mention just a lot of stuff happening in the everyday life of all of us here at Seven Lamb. So now that we're done, uh, we're glad to have this out. Sorry it took so long. Hopefully season three will come out much faster and um, more consistently. Uh, Anyways, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the season finale to Atlas Avenue Beat. Seven Lamb Productions presents Atlas Avenue Beat Case 2 The Red Letter Part 12 A Star is Reborn For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Jane and I were in the cab heading to Julianne's mansion. I knew something wasn't right when we started interviewing Julianne's former lovers. But this news, this news of Sheldrake being one of her past loves, I couldn't believe it. That son of a bitch. The whole damn time we were going back and forth trying to one-up each other. I mean, I had him on the ropes with the 20 questions thing, but the whole time he had me acting like a fool. That fucker. He's better than me. Better than you? At what? I'm not entirely sure. Technically, I haven't laid a deck of cards out on the table, and he still owes me four questions, so I guess we're tied. That went over my head. Who are we talking about? Sheldrake. Sheldrake Von Wallen, Julianne's butler. What about him? He's Don Allen, the former actor. He's one of Julianne's exes. And now he's her butler? She has a strange hold on men. They were having Lion King sex. Kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? No. No, it doesn't. Well, it's time to confront Sheldrake and Julianne. 
Sheldrake! Sheldrake! Jim! Sheldrake, where the hell are you? I ran upstairs and down the hall. Julianne! Then I realized. I looked at my watch. It was a quarter till six. They must be on their way to the premiere. Jim, I still don't understand. If there's one thing we've learned, it's that Julianne has a hold on her former lovers. Sheldrake started working for her after she dumped him. He probably hoped that one day their love would be rekindled. He hated me from the get-go. Then I find Julianne getting jealous of me being around other girls. Like who? Like you. Sheldrake wants me out of Julianne's life. He probably wanted Brennan Camp out of her life, too. You think Don Allen killed Camp? I don't know what to think. What I do know is that I need to talk to Sheldrake and Julianne. Where are they? At the premiere. So, what do we do? Wait here? Oh, no. I walked into my room and over to the closet. I pulled out the charcoal gray suit. We're going to the premiere. Wear something slutty. We hop back into the cab. I have to say, you look very handsome, Jim. Like 007. Thank you. You're a spitting image of Roger Moore. Take that back. But she didn't. She just smirked in her sly, playful way. My wiener wiggled in joyous response. I have to say, Jane, you look amazing in that dress. Jane normally dressed tomboyish, but because of the premiere, she felt it was time to dress up. So she borrowed one of Julianne's long gowns. I say borrowed, but I wonder if she would ever return the dress. Probably not. So she was stealing the dress. Let's just say she stole the dress. Why, thank you, Jim. We were getting close to the Hawaiian Cornucopia Theater. Jane was on her phone searching the web. Is it called the web on a phone? So I'm looking up the premiere, and it says it's for the film Love Don't Cost a Thing Unless You're Rich. I didn't know Julianne Good was in that. Something tells me she's not. She probably has a small cameo. Meaning she was cut? That's what I'm thinking. We arrived at the theater a little after six. Actors and actresses were still walking the red carpet. The theater was very old, built in the early 1900s. It was called the Hawaiian Cornucopia Theater because it was funded by a group of Hawaiian investors. They made the theater with a giant horn full of fruit on the top. Pull over here. The cabbie pulled up to the curb and Jane and I climbed out. We made our way toward the entrance, but paused by the red carpet. There's no way they let us through. There's got to be a side entrance. Come on, this way. We hurried around the corner and towards the back of the theater. We hid behind a couple of trash cans as we saw a cook walk up to a side door. That must lead to the kitchen. The cook knocked on the door. Four solid knocks. A little window opened in the door. What's the password? Fuck Tony Orlando. The door opened and the cook entered. Seems easy enough. What if they didn't buy us as cooks? Well, they can't buy us. Slavery is illegal. They can ask if we're actual cooks. That's what I meant. We don't exactly look the part. Just follow my lead. Jane and I walked up to the side door. The little window in the door opened up. What's the password? Fuck Tony Orlando. The door opened and Jane and I slipped in. The man who looked to be a chef shut and locked the door behind us. Wait a second. You guys don't look like cooks. But we are. I'm not buying it. No, really. I'm a cook and this is my protege. 
Why do I have to be a protege? It's... I've just always wanted to use that word. Okay. If you really are a cook, you won't mind taking this little pop quiz. Shit, I knew nothing about cooking. If you pass this tough quiz, then I'll believe you. Quick, name a food. Meat. Good, good. That is a food. Don't get too happy, though. The questions get harder. Quick, name a popular garnish. Uh, leaf. Nice one. We use plenty of different types of garnishes. Glad you didn't get too specific. We don't like specificity here. Well, that works out in my favor. Okay, one more question. Quick, name a food. Uh, meat? You're good. That's it? Yeah, go ahead. You're obviously a cook. Yeah, uh, obviously. <laughs> you even nervously chuckle like cooks do. Yep, doing that on purpose. Jane and I headed through the kitchen into a hallway. What the hell was that? Hell if I know. Now, let's find the lobby. We made our way down the hall when I spotted a security guard walking up. Uh-oh. We need to get out. Then I realized who it was. It was motherfucking Barry. Oh, no. Barry, what the hell are you doing here? I work here now. As a security guard? Why do you always have to be where I am? Well, I would be in Washington, D.C. if it wasn't for... Shut up! Why are you being so mean to him? Because it's stupid Barry. He's a piece of shit. Come on, man. He seems kind of annoying, but that's no reason... See? That's no reason to be mean to me. Barry, I was talking. Shut the hell up when someone else is talking. Told you, he's a piece of shit. What are you doing, Barry? Here to stop us? No, I don't want any trouble. I'll leave you alone. All right, just let me walk by. Nope, not going to allow that. Uh, is there a head of security around here? Please don't. Anyone? Is anyone in charge of the security guards? Hello, I'm the boss of security guards. Stop, please. Shut the fuck up, Barry. This man wants to talk to me. How can I help you, sir? I explained to the boss of security guards how Barry sucks, and we all agreed it would be in the best interest of the theater to fire him on the spot. Why? Why do you always do this? Fuck off, Barry! Get the hell out of here! Yeah, you suck, Barry! Let's flip him off as he walks away all sad and shit. Suck on that, Barry. That felt good. Oh, I do it all the time. It's great. After we got Barry fired, we headed to the lobby. The lobby was a big dome with a glass ceiling. Above the glass was a large cornucopia of fruit. All kinds of Hawaiian fruit could be seen protruding out of the horn. Papayas, starfruit, pineapples, avocado, grapes. Were grapes a Hawaiian fruit? It's like they ran out of ideas. The lobby was packed with all kinds of famous people. Most of them I didn't recognize, save for a few faces. Trinity Averill, the actress. Josh Elbert, the film critic. Even B.C. Baxter made an appearance. But I couldn't spot Julianne or Sheldrake anywhere. Holy shit! I've been looking for you, Jimmy Jong! I turned around to see Paul wearing a checkered suit and a zany spinning bow tie. Paul, what are you doing here? Wait, you're Paul, right? Of course, Jimmy Jong, it's me! You sound different. I... have a cold. And that's why you, your voice has changed? That, and only that, is the reason. You look exactly the same. Oh, it's me. Same old Paul, just with a slightly different voice due to my cold. A cold I will have for a very long time. Good to know. So, back to my question. What are you doing here? Uh, that, that old actress woman sent me two tickets to the premiere. Uh, she said she was sorry for being so distant at the dinner party. 
I mean, she was sitting far away at the table, but she was close enough that I could see her titties. A woman wearing a black and white dress walked up next to Paul. Jimmy Junk, this is my date for the night. Her name is Bethany. She hates Super Mario because she's Irish. What? No, um, Polly gets a little confused. I used to be Amish. That's what I said, damn it. Don't you use that kind of language around me. We talked about this. Sorry, woman. Now, here's a drink. And try not to spill it this time. Paul ended up spilling some champagne on his bow tie. Oh, man, not again. Well, give it here. Let me go wash it in the restroom. Otherwise, it'll stain. I have to say, Paul, your girlfriend seems to have a motherly touch. Don't be gross, Jimmy Jong. She just seems to be very nurturing of you. I'm not saying she's your mother. Good, because that is pretty messed up. Although thinking about it, my mom... Don't finish that sentence. What? I know you, Paul. You're going to say something really inappropriate and mention your mother. I'd rather you just keep whatever you're going to say to yourself. I was just going to say that my mom... Paul, don't. Please. Okay, okay. I won't say anything inappropriate. Thank you. Even though... Here we go. My mom is pretty hot. Are you done now? I'd have sex with my own mother. Jesus Christ. I looked over at Jane, who stared at Paul wide-eyed. Oh, Jane, this is Paul. He's my old partner from the force. You worked for the KHPD? He was the best cop this side of the Mississippi. Uh, or was it the other side? I can never remember. What side are we on now? Paul, this is Jane. She's been helping me with my current case. Nice to meet you. And Paul is going to say something wildly inappropriate and most likely sexist. I am not. Hello, Jane. I like your tits. I like how they're the size of grapefruits. It makes me happy. Did I ever tell you that I like grapefruits? We just met. I throw money at you, will you have sex with me? No, but you're welcome to throw money at me. Really? I have bills to pay. What's a little extra money? What the shit? You're here? Hello, King Arthur. I spun around to see Arthur and... Really? Yep, it was Daphne. He brought his damn blow-up doll. Arthur, what are you doing here? I'm not talking to you, Big Jimbo, but... That movie actor chick sent me two free tickets, said she was sorry for being so distant. Although, she was only as far away as you were, you know, because you both sat at opposite ends of the dining table and I was in the middle. Guys, I don't think that's what she meant by distant. I can't believe Julianne gave you two tickets. She gave the cat bitch tickets, too. Edith? Edith is here? By the way, Big Jimbo, we aren't besties anymore. We never were, so... Sure we were. We high-fived all the fucking time. Because you made me. Why the hell would Julianne invite you guys here? She probably realizes we're totally fucking awesome people. You're not awesome, King Arthur. I'm still mad at you for sleeping with my wife. And Jimmy Jong, I'm still unsure about you. Are you sure you didn't bone my wife? No, it was Arthur. Don't try to blame me. You probably thought about doing it. It's not fair. You should let me sleep with that thing. Hey, she has a name. I want to sleep with the air mattress. Don't worry, baby. I won't let him near you. I'm doing her. Bethany walked up with Paul's clean bow tie. 
King Arthur had sex with my woman, so I'm going to have sex with his plastic doll. You are not having sex with a plastic doll. I'm sorry. I'm so confused right now. Why is that guy carrying a sex doll around and talking to it? Because he's an idiot. You're an idiot. That's it. Give me that doll. Come at me, bro. Stay here, baby. Paul charged Arthur. Arthur pushed Daphne aside and started swinging his arms at Paul. They got into a really heated slap fight. So girly. Nothing like the manly pillow fight I had earlier this morning. Stop! The fight went on. Paul and Arthur fell to the floor and rolled around. Eventually, Bethany and Jane split them up. Maybe I should have stepped in, but it was actually fun to watch. Now stop it, both of you. We are in a public place. He started it. Did not. You fucked my wife. So? I don't care who started it. Will it really help ease the pain if you have sex with this plastic toy? She has a name, damn it. Yes, I will feel a lot better having sex with something he likes. What about me? I mean, you can have sex with it too, but me first. That's not what I meant. If you keep this up, no more pie. What? I mean it. Oh, all right. Now, shake hands like good little boys. Paul and Arthur shook hands but said nothing. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to begin. Please start taking your seats. Bethany and Paul checked their tickets and found they had nosebleed seats in the balcony. Arthur and Daphne's seats were one row behind Paul's. You better not put your feet on my seat. Oh, my feet will be all over your seat. Jane and I decided to follow them up the stairs to the second floor and continued to scan the sea of people. You see them? No, they have to be here. You know, I read that this movie is four and a half hours long. What? And it's an artsy movie about a woman who lives on a lake and collects rocks. Oh, Jesus. Let's hurry up and find them. I just want you to know, Jimbo, I'm still upset that you told Paul on me. I gave you time to tell him. You should have killed me when you had the chance. I was never going to kill you. Pussy. Arthur and Daphne pushed past me and rushed up the stairs. Your friends are weird. We reached the top of the stairs and followed Paul and Bethany to the left. We passed several posters for upcoming movies. Eye on a Pampered Poodle 2, Bark a Bite, Big Girls Cry a Lot 2, Cry Harder. Oh, and a re-release of Speed 2 Cruise Control. I love Sandra. Ugh, Hollywood really has run out of ideas. Everything sequels, reboots, or re-releases. Oh, wow, look! Jane ran up to a movie poster. It was Tyler Perry's Medea Yells a Lot 2, Tokyo Drift. I saw the trailer for this the other day. I'm so excited. Medea goes to Japan. And then there's this part in the trailer where Medea sees this teenager rob an old lady. And she's all like, ooh, no you didn't. You's going to jail now, punk. And then she hits him in the back of the head with her purse. I didn't hear what she said, nor did I really care. My focus was behind Jane. Jim? Jane spun around and noticed what I was staring at. It was Sheldrake. He looked nervous. I ran after him. Sheldrake! He spun around. What? What are you doing here? I'm counting that as two questions. Jesus. You son of a bitch. I'm on to you. This whole time we play the who's better than who game and the whole time you probably thought you were better than me. 
But now I'm back on top. What are you talking about? One more question. You owe me one more. You'll never get it. Face it. I'm better than you. <laughs> Please. I bet you still haven't found out who sent that letter. You did. Sheldrake's eyes widened. You wrote the letter as a way of easing Julianne's pain, isn't that right, Don Allen? Julianne has quite a hold on men, and it's no different for you. When she broke your heart and left you for another man, you were devastated. So you killed Camp, then wrote a letter to ease her pain. Except that letter made her intrigued. She hired me and fell in love with my strong physique and charming nature. You got jealous. Being her butler, you had to watch men come and go. And Julianne fell for me harder than a chunky man skydiving. You hated this. So you decided it was time to get me out of the way. You had a knack for following me, so when I interviewed Master, you found an accomplice. He was a psychic, after all, probably told you about a future without me. So you sent him to kill me. But it turns out not only am I better than you, I'm better than James Master. That was great exposition. Really filled me in. Too bad it's all wrong. <laughs> is that so? That is so. I don't know anything about Master. Julianne told me you weren't coming to the premiere because you were ill. I didn't question it. So Julianne and I came here together. But now she's gone and I can't find her anywhere. I noticed Sheldrake was holding a prescription pill bottle in his hand. I'm scared for her. I knew she wasn't taking her medication. If she doesn't take her pills, she becomes... Unstable? Frightfully so. Sure, I get jealous of the men she brings into her life, but I would never harm them. I care for her too much. I just want her to be happy. If her happiness comes from new lovers, then so be it. At least by being her butler, I get to see her every day. Plus, we have kinky sex sometimes. I know. I almost got a picture. I don't have time for this. Sheldrick rushed downstairs. Hey! So, what does this mean? And that's when it hit me. Literally. Something hit me. In the back of the head. And everything went dark. What the hell? I was staring up at a dirty gray concrete ceiling. Wakey wakey, time for eggs and the bakey. And butt sex. What the shit? I jumped up to see Vendel. I was back in a jail cell. In America, you are considered gay, but in Soviet Russia, gay is considered you. That doesn't make sense. Why am I here? Because I finally got you, luck. I turned to the jail cell door to see Captain Hilt smiling behind a row of bars. Egg my house, will ya? You'll stay in here till you rot. Or until Paul lets me out again. You really don't want to rot? Not particularly. Damn it! Hilt's trotted off. Well, this is great. Is it? Or are you being, how do you say, sarcastic? No, I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Wait. Are you being sarcastic now? Yes, Vendel, I am. That's what I thought. Wait, was that sarcasm? No. Good. Wait... Okay, stop. Are you sure you don't want butt sex? I'm going to the corner. Don't bother me. An hour passed. I wondered what Jane was up to. Was she watching the movie? Did she know what happened to me? I couldn't just wait here. 
Just then, two detectives I knew from the old days rushed by the holding cell. Gary and Sinise. Sinise stopped when he saw me. Is that James Locke? It is. What are you doing in here? I egged the captain's house. Oh, so you were the one. Gary and Sinise were good detectives. Better than Paul and Arthur. Although a pile of rocks and a turkey club are better than Paul and Arthur. When I was on the force, I often helped Gary and Sinise with their cases, and they helped me with mine. Any chances you guys can get me out? Sorry, Locke. We're in a rush. Just received some important information about this mad bomber we've been after. Paul mentioned something about a mad bomber. We got a hot tip that the next target is the Hawaiian Cornucopia Theater. Plans on blowing up the whole thing during some premiere. We're on our way there now. What? You know the place? I was just there. You guys have to get me out. Sorry, no time. You'll have to plan an elaborate escape. How am I going to do that? Ask that shifty Russian dude. He's been up to something. I have not. Good luck, Locke. Gary and Sinise jogged off. Some mad bomber was going to blow up the theater? I had to get out of this cage. My friends were going to die. I wasn't so worried about Arthur and Sheldrake, but Edith and Paul were there. You're looking worried. I need to get out of here. I can get you out, but it won't be easy. How? I will not just tell you. I help you. You help me. What do you want from me? I want to go back to Mother Russia. You swear to help me get back to my country, I help you out. Deal. What's the plan? I've been digging my way out since I got here. I examine the walls. I don't see any tunnel. It is not in walls, it is in floor. The floor? Da. I am digging my way to China. If we go now, we should reach China in one year. You know, that's not possible, right? There's like magma and core and shit. I have seen the movie Journey to Center of the Earth. All of that is down there is giant iguana. Atlantis, probably James Mason. Just show me where this escape tunnel is. Fender pushed the wooden bench aside, exposing a large hole. It was too dark to see down. How deep is it? Maybe a couple feet. What? I thought you were trying to dig to China. I am, but China's far, and it's not easy digging through concrete with plastic spoon. Vendel held up a broken plastic spoon. This is never going to work. Picked up a bit of floor that was resting on the side of the hole, then turned it in my fingers, then dropped it down the hole. I heard a cracking sound and saw a bit of light. The hell is that? It is China! They have made it! Ni hao, comrades! That's not China. I reached into the hole towards the light. I want to see! <laughs> Vendel toppled me over and we fell into the hole. We crashed through tiles and light fixtures into a brightly lit room. Bits of ceiling crumbled around us. <coughs> what the hell? Is this... Is this China? I looked around the brightly lit room. There were rows and rows of evidence boxes, filing cabinets, and plastic bags. Oh shit! I forgot they put the holding cells on the second floor. Where are we? The first floor. I helped Vendel up and looked about the room. Putting the cells on the second floor was really bad planning. I remember mentioning that to the captain back when I was in the force, but he told me to shut up and go to architect school if I wanted to be a building builder. There's our chance. This way. We rushed to the evidence room and out the back door. Shit! Captain burst around the corner, two officers behind him. There they go! Stop them! I want to go see my mother, Russia. Then let's get out of here. Come, follow me. 
I followed Vendel down a side alley and over onto Atlas Avenue. The two officers were giving chase. This way. We climbed up some steps, ran into a small apartment building, ran through the hall, bumped into a group of kids as we turned the corner, then jumped out an open window into another back alley. We rushed onto the street. I didn't listen to them, despite the fact that they wanted me to come back there. I looked back and see the two cops closing in, and now there was a cop car flying down the street. It came right for us. Vendel made a sharp turn and jumped onto a moving truck. He pulled the side door open. We need this truck. He pushed out the driver. I ran to the driver's side and saw Vendel take the wheel. I thought he was going to leave me, but then he extended a hand. I jumped for it. He pulled me into the truck and sped off. I'm surprised you didn't take off. I know we have had differences in the past, lot, but you and I aren't so different. Except for the fact I am handsome and smart, you're ugly and dumb, but what I have learned in this life is that you have to take chances. I feel you and me can be great friends. Like Carter and I before. What do you say? Comrades? Friends. And if you would like to be more than friends, I am up for the making of the butt sex. Let's just see how this friendship works out first. Vendel sped up a highway entrance ramp and weaved between cars. Out of the way! I could see the bright lights and the huge glowing fruits of the Hawaiian Cornucopia Theater in the distance. Behind us, two cop cars gave chase. Vendel, punch it! He punched the steering wheel and instantly realized that's not what I meant, but then put the pedal to the metal and raced forward. Vendel pulled the truck under the red carpet. Thank you. I jumped out of the truck. Good luck, my newly found American friend. Remember, in America you help people, but in Soviet Russia, people help you. Not quite sure what that means. Are you saying that I should trust in my friends more, or that friendship is the real hero? Listen, I must go. Russia's waiting. Das Vidanya. I nodded and rushed down the red carpet. I heard Vendel drive off. I had to hurry. Just then I noticed Gary and Sinise talking to some man in a suit. I ran over to them. What's going on? Hey, Locke, you made it. Uh, Did you escape? Yeah, what's going on? This is the man who was in charge of the premiere. We don't want to cause a panic. We have to get everyone out safely. We also don't know where the bomb is placed. A bomb crew is on their way, but we're not sure if they'll make it in time. Gary, we need to find where it is. You guys handle the bomb. I'll get everyone out. They nodded and I rushed inside. And Locke, if you see the bomber, subdue her. I have no idea- Wait, did you say her? We got word that the bomber is a woman. 5'11", thin frame, maybe in her 50s, brown hair. My jaw dropped. Things were falling into place now. Sheldrake wasn't lying, and he wasn't the one who sent Master to kill me. If Julianne is off her meds, she becomes unstable. Unstable enough to blow up an entire building full of her co-workers? Co-workers she hated and that hated her? She didn't like my friends. She was upset they showed up to her dinner party and yet... She gives them free tickets to a screening of a film? A film she's most likely cut from? Julianne was going to blow up the theater. I had to get everyone out. We're not getting raisinets, Joey. You never let me pick the chocolate. I spun around. Edith! She was buying snacks at the concession stand. I ran over to her. Mr. J, there you fucking are. Edith, you have to get out of here. Hi, I'm Joey, Joey Evernuckle. Hey, I remember you. You killed that guy at Blockmart. I did not kill him. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not kill him. I did not. 
Oh, hi, Edith. Oh, yeah, Ray. He's going away for a long time. Mr. J, you're all sweaty. That's gross. Edith, you have to get out of here. Now! Joey, you too. In the words of Stephanie Tanner, you got it, dude. That's not right. That was the other sister, idiot. How rude. There you go. Now, get out of here. Jim! I looked up to see Jane on the second floor. She rushed down the steps. I was worried. The police just snuck up behind you and knocked you out. I was going to go after you, but then I saw Hugh Tarlov and Terry Gardner. They were with someone in a cloak. I couldn't see who it was, but I think they were planning something. They said something about killing a bunch of people. She's got her former lovers working for her. Julianne Good? She plans on destroying the theater. I saw them run up towards the projection booth. Good. I'm going after them. You two find Paul and Arthur. Tell them what's going on. Three. The three of us will do that. I'm part of this. I'm Edith's date. Joey, I told you you could come if you didn't fucking say that. Sorry. We're just friends, I guess. Even though I like you a lot. Stop being creepy. Whatever, the three of you. Find Paul and Arthur and make sure they get everyone out. Through the glass entrance doors, I could see police cars pulling up with flashing lights. Jim, be careful. I will. Mr. J, be safe. I will. Good luck, don't die. I rushed up the stairs, through the hallway, and up another set of stairs. I burst through a door that read, Authorized Personnel Only. I slowed my pace and snuck around a corner. On the ground lay a dead projectionist. Poor kid. I looked through the portal and saw the black and white art film playing. A woman was examining a pebble. God, that shit looked boring. I continued through the dark hall of the projection booth. That's when I saw Sheldrake. I reached in my pocket and pulled out a deck of cards. I was about to be real cool. I shuffled the deck and walked forward. Hello, Sheldrake. Looking for a good hiding place for the bomb? Mr. Locke, you startled me. You see what I have here? It looks like a deck of cards. And this deck of cards will be laid out on a table the moment I get my last question. It won't happen. Where's Julianne? I told you, I can't find her. Cut the shit. You're helping her destroy this place. She really is the master of puppets, and you're just a little wooden doll on strings. Where's the bomb? I don't know what you're talking about. Where's the bomb? Wouldn't you like to know? Julianne walked out of the darkness in her cloak. She dropped the hood, her hair still in a perfect bun. Tarlov and Gardner walked out of the darkness behind her. Miss Good, I have your medication. Oh, Sheldrake. There's no need for that now. I'm not sure what's going on. Sheldrake, it's quite simple. Terry and Hugh are here to help me become famous again. It has been far too long. Killing innocent people is one hell of a way to become famous. Innocent? A film critic that takes pleasure in hating on people's creations? A director. A director that cuts you from a film and pretends to be your friend. An actress that likes Star Wars Episode One. What about your friends? The cop that wants to have sex with anything that moves. A woman with the mouth of a sailor that calls every woman a slut. Or the other cop who sleeps with his friend's wife. That last one's not a friend. He used to say we were besties, but we're not anymore. Hollywood wants to throw me to the wayside? Fine. Then I'll use other measures to become famous. There is no more Julianne Good, Just the Mad Bomber. Which is a dumb name that I have your friends to thank for. Again, one friend. Arthur doesn't count. 
Miss Good, you are going to rise to the top. And I still am. Help me, Sheldrake. Help me with my dream. And what was I this whole time? Another lover. But somehow you were able to escape my charm. I can't help it. I'm just able to control myself around the opposite sex. Just then through the porthole I could see Jane walking through the theater aisle, her breasts jiggling. I got an insta-boner and almost finished in my pants. Oh! Are you okay? I think I got too cocky. There's no double meaning to that. I had such high hopes for you. Sorry to disappoint. So this whole thing was a ruse? What's a ruse? I think it's a type of bird. I saw an article about you in the Kenneth Heights Gazette. It was about the mishap on Atlas with the speedboat. The picture they had of you. You were handsome. I had Sheldrake do some research about your past. I knew I had to meet you. My charms may not work on you, but my wrath will. So the letter was a fake? It helped bring you to me. But it wasn't a fake. Yes, it was. You wanted to meet Mr. Locke, so I had to create a case for him. What are you saying, Sheldrake? I wrote the letter. I see. Well, that pains me, Sheldrake. I care for you, Miss Good. Then redeem yourself and join me. Come to the dark side, Sheldrake. Sheldrake looked at me and then to Julianne. I'm sorry, Miss Good. I cannot let you do this. Let me, Sheldrake. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Kill him. Gardner stepped forward and pointed his gun at Sheldrake. No! Today is a day that shall live in infamy. Today a star is reborn. Goodbye, James. Julianne lifted her hood, spun around, and walked into the shadows. Gardner and Tarlov stepped forward, aiming their guns. I dove behind a row of old film fans. Shut the fuck up. I don't see them. We should check the other balcony. Tubby! Shh! Shush me one more time, bitch, and I'll cut your fucking head off. Who's gonna cut someone's head off? Paul! We need to talk, you fatso. It's important. Julie Ann is the mad bomber. She's going to blow this place up. We have to get these people out. How are we supposed to get 500 people out of here? Uh, I can help. We don't need your help, liar. I learned a tactic from a friend of mine. A long time ago, he told me a way of getting a large group of people to cooperate in times of need. This guy sounds lame. This guy was you, Pauly Shore. It was you. What? You're my, you're my best friend, Pauly. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I slept with your wife. Here, have sex with Daphne. She would love to fuck you. No, there's no time. Plus, you don't need to sleep with the doll. Can you ever forgive me, Pauly Shore? I forgive you, King Arthur. Let's high five. Are you guys done? This place could blow any second. <laughs> blow. There's a joke here. Paul, pay attention. Uh, sorry. Uh, what was that tactic I taught you, Arthur? Hey, everyone. There's free pizza outside. That's right, free pizza. Did someone say free pizza? I could go for some pizza. And if it's free, well, shit. 
Oh, oh my god, I love pizza. It's that way. Just uh, head out through the lobby. Good job, King Arthur. Hey guys, let's go get some of that free pizza. You guys go. I'm going after Jim. As much as I hate teaming up with a whore, I'm going with you. I'm going to help Mr. J, too. It's going to be dangerous. Please, don't try to scare me with some preliminary pussy bullshit. Brought my fucking axe. Let's go get Mr. J and kill the movie star, bitch. I think I like you. I don't like you. Oh, well. Okay, let's go. I was pinned behind the film canisters. I reached for my gun, but realized I didn't have it. Hills took it from me. Damn it. I came up with a plan. Hopefully it would work. I pointed my finger like a gun and aimed it around the canisters. Bang! Bang, bang! Maybe. Just maybe they'd believe I had a gun. Bang, bang! What the hell kind bang. of gun does he bang. have? Bang, bang! I don't know. I can't see it. Bang! But it Boom. sounds bang. super dangerous. Boom! Yeah. Bang, bang! Way worse than our guns. Bang! Oh bang, shit! Bang, bang, I think he almost got me! Bang, Let's get out of boom, here! Bang bang! Bang! Pshaw, boom! I peeked around the corner and saw two men disappear into darkness. I looked through the projection porthole and could see a sea of people making their way to the exit doors. Good job, guys. Get those people out. I ran over to Sheldrake and knelt over him. <coughs> uh, I failed. Huh. Sheldrake, you did what you could. dying. Yes. You'll be dead soon. Uh, let me help you. Uh, Tarlov, he has a weakness. Really? If you shoot him in the head, he will die. I think that's most people's weakness, buddy. And Gardner, he has a similar weakness. Right, thanks, Sheldrake. I'll, I'll aim for the head. Glad I could help. Let me go. In peace now. Before you go, and, and maybe this isn't the best time, but I, I bought this deck of cards a few days ago, and I was all ready to lay them out as you asked me my last question. I was going to say some really cool lines as you asked me my last question, so I was wondering, and it doesn't have to be a who's upping who, or who's better than who kind of thing, but... Could you just ask me one more question, please? Really? Really? Thank you, Sheldrake. Not the most elaborate question, but I'll take it. Sleep now, sweet prince. I closed Sheldrake's eyes. <coughs> please. Don't push my eyelids closed. I'm not dead yet. But let's face it, you're not going to make it so rest easy. Stop pushing my eyelids down. Fine, leave them open, drama queen. I got up and cautiously proceeded after Julianne and her goons. I saw a roof access door that was slightly open. I pushed through and headed up the stairs. I was on the roof of the theater. Above me stood the huge cornucopia, four columns holding it in place. It was larger than I expected. I walked around an air conditioning unit. My finger held up, ready to fire. Who goes there? It's just me, Locke. I saw Sinise and Gary, uh, I, I meant Gary and Sinise, 
standing at the far edge of the roof, past the large glass dome. Lock! We found the bomb, or should I say, bombs. Bombs? They're attached to each of these four columns. If they blow, the cornucopia will fall into the theater and kill millions. Hundreds, hundreds. That too. Paul and Arthur are getting people out. I see that. Gary motioned towards the large glass dome. I looked down to see the people exiting through the lobby. We don't have much time. Five minutes. We're gonna try and disarm it. What about the bomb squad? They're too far away. We have to try. It's either the yellow wire or the green wire. Gary and Sinise bent down, looking at the bomb. Here goes nothing. Please. Please. Oh shit! Lock! It's not the yellow wire! No! Gary and Sinise exploded into pieces. The explosion shattered several of the dome glass panes and sent me reeling back. I hit the air conditioning unit hard. <coughs> Gary and Sinise were dead. It was up to me now. He said not the yellow one. I ran up to another one of the cornucopia columns. The whole thing rocked. If another one of these columns blew, tons of concrete fruit would fall onto innocent people. I didn't have much time. Not the yellow wire. I just have to try the green wire. You won't try anything. I looked over my shoulder to see Tarlov behind me. Gun pointed at my back. Get away from that bomb! Innocent people will die. And so will you. And so will you. So be it. Suddenly Jane came out of nowhere and jumped over Tarlov's back. He fell into the ground hard. His gun slid from his grasp. Jane! Disable the bomb! I turned to the bomb and grabbed the green wire. A bullet flew past my head. On the far end of the roof I could see Gardner aiming at me. Shit. I dove. I can't get to it! That's when I saw Edith behind Gardner. She held her axe high and jumped. Gardner spun and ducked. That was my chance. I grabbed the green wire. Tarlov knocked into me before I could yank the wire. No, you don't! I landed on one of the glass window panes. I could feel it cracking beneath me. I landed a few blows and got to my feet. The bomb behind Tarlov read three minutes and twenty seconds. We had to hurry. Jane! Tarlov got up. I jumped to another glass pane. It cracked and creaked under my weight. I jumped to another. I could see panicked people below me running through the lobby. A fire had caught at the side of the first explosion. Behind me, Edith swung her axe wildly at Gardner. Jane! Jane is dead. That's odd, because I can see a dead girl walking. Tarlov spun around and saw Jane running for the bomb. Green wire! Tarlov reached into his pocket and pulled out a pill bottle and tossed the contents onto the roof in front of Jane. She slipped and fell and crashed through one of the window panes. She held on with one hand. Jane, hang on! No, you fucking don't! I saw Edith chasing Gardner as he reached for his gun. Gardner grabbed the gun and shot at Edith, but she was able to dive behind an air conditioning unit. He then turned to me. He fired. I jumped to another glass pane. His bullet missed me, but it didn't miss the bomb I'd been trying to disarm. The thing exploded. The glass below me and Tarlov shattered. We both fell to the second floor of the lobby. I forced myself up and saw Jane still dangling. Just give up! Just then, a giant pineapple fell through the dome, landing on the first floor, creating a huge crater. People rushed outside. I looked up to see more huge fruit falling. It was like a giant-sized fruit ninja, and I didn't have a sword. All I could do was dodge and weave. 
Tarlov rushed me. Tarlov dropped me. I looked up just in time to see a large kiwi falling. I rolled out of the way and fell over the edge. I grabbed onto the railing and swung myself back up. Tarlov was gone. A huge hole where he had just stood. I can't hang on any longer! Jane lost her grip as the building shook. I ran as hard as I could and jumped. I caught her just in time. <gasps> nice catch! She bit her bottom lip and I just wanted to make sweet love to her right then and there. How amazing would that be? But there was no time. No time, penis. No time. Come on. We have to help Edith. We have to stop those bombs. We ran back to the roof. The cornucopia was cracking. More and more the fruit fell into the theater. The whole scenario was crazy. The roof. The roof. The roof was on fire. Where's Edith? Where's Gardner? Don't look too far. Gardner stood on top of an air conditioning unit. He brought out his whip and snapped it. He latched onto our railing underneath the cornucopia and swung to us. <laughs> I saw Edith appear on top of the cornucopia. She drew her axe and sliced through Gardner's whip and he tumbled. I ran over to him. We battled on top of the burning building. Fists flew, jabs were had, kicks were seen, knees to the groin were uncalled for. As Gardner and I continued our bout, I could see Edith climbing into the rocking cornucopia. She was pushing on one of the fruits. Jane climbed up to her. I had to keep Gardner busy. They continued to push and push and push, and it fell. A large grape rolled out of the horn and killed us. I kicked Gardner in the shin and jumped sideways. No time for fighting, Dr. Jones. What? Gardner turned and splashed. The grape rolled right over him. Edith and Jane climbed down and ran over to me. What took you so long? We were trying to roll an orange. It was just a slice of an orange, so it wouldn't fucking roll. So, we went with the grape. Let's disarm these last two. Son of a bitch. Tarlov climbed through the glass dome and stood menacingly at the top. Blood and sweat dripped from his brow. Just give up! It's not over. Unless you've had enough. I could always prescribe you some pain pills. Edith, Jane, disarm the last two bombs. I'll deal with Tarlov. I ran full speed. He slammed me down into one of the unbroken glass panes. It shattered. I almost fell through but caught myself and flung forward. I grabbed a piece of glass and charged Tarlov. I slashed Tarlov. You can't stop them! Jane, Edith, get out of here! We're not leaving you! Go, now! I could see Tarlov eyeing his gun that he dropped earlier. It lay on the edge of the roof. He ran for it. I decided to die for Edith's axe. I grabbed it and swung. He dodged and rolled with the gun. He turned and fired. I was hit. Ugh, not again. The bullet went through my arm. The pain was unbearable. I dropped the axe and stumbled back towards the glass dome. Above me, a giant starfruit rocked at the edge of the horn. Tarlov got closer to me. Gun pointed at my monkey heart. Tell me, what is it about Julianne Good? She just has the ability to bring joy to her lover. And even when she breaks your heart, you can't help but remember the good times. All you care about is her happiness. And you're just glad that you were able to be a part of her life. Even if only for a fleeting moment. You never gave her a chance to change you. 
I didn't want her to change me. I wanted to live my own life. Well, you did. And now, your life is over, Mr. Locke. And Julianne is famous once again. That's right! One may even say she's a star. Fruit. What? I pointed up. Star fruit. A large concrete fruit rocked and fell. No! 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 It smashed Tarlov and crashed through the roof. I fell back into an open pane. I fell through the lobby, ready to embrace the impact of the floor, but... Arthur and Joey caught me and set me down on the floor. We got you. Don't worry. Your bestie's got you. You're not my bestie, Arthur. And I don't even know you. Sure you do. My name's Joey. Joey Everknuckle. I mean, I barely know you. We can change that. I turned my head and saw Paul sitting on the floor eating popcorn. Can we go now? I'm bored. Mr. J! Edith and Jane ran down the stairs. Oh no! You've been shot! Ah! More fruit! Things started getting blurry. Blood ran down my arm. More fruit fell into the lobby. Fire raged and glass shattered. Edith and Jane lifted me up. Cornucopia came crashing down. Dust and debris filled the lobby. And then... Everything went dark. Coming too. Good, good. Mr. Locke? Where, where am I? You're in the hospital. You were shot. Like, again. Oh, man. Uh... I want you to know we were able to stitch up the hole in your arm, and not only that, we were able to redo your heart transplant. We took the monkey heart right out. The reason being, we thought we had another human heart ready, but turns out we didn't, so rather than putting the monkey heart back in, we had to give you a new heart. You now have a whale heart. What? The sucker was huge! We had to push some organs around to fit it in, so you may feel a bit sloshy. You gotta be fucking kidding me! Some things will change. You now love fat people. You can swim better than ever, and you can now communicate for over 50 miles. But only when you go like this. What kind of place is this? Chill, chill. I'm just kidding. I love joking with the patients. Don't worry, you're back to normal. You mean I have a human heart? Oh no. I meant back to normal before you were shot the second time. So I still have a monkey heart? That thing's most likely gonna stay. You know, I hit on a chimp at the zoo. Was she hot? I don't even know if it was a female. That's not the point. You never told me I'd fall in love with an actual monkey. First off, chimps or apes. Secondly... That shit is to be expected, man. I kept in my frustration. I think I want a new doctor. You want a better doctor than me? But we've been through it all. I've saved your life twice. You won't find a better doctor. I don't even know your name. Your name tag literally says doctor. That's my name. Your name is doctor? Yes, but I prefer people refer to me as a doctor. So your name is doctor... doctor. Give me the news! I got a bad case of loving you! That was planned. I changed my name to Doctor when I became a doctor, just so people would say that, and I could sing my favorite Robert Palmer lyric. I definitely want a new doctor. 
Suddenly the door burst open and Paul and Edith ran in. Whoa, whoa! Joey, Arthur, and Jane followed. You can't all be in here. We have a strict policy that patients can only receive four guests. Mr. Locke, you must vote one person out of the room. Who's out? Arthur, definitely Arthur. Come on, Jimbo. We're besties. Sorry. Gotta go, dude. Doctor, doctor shoved Arthur out of the room. I can't believe you're gonna let that pipsqueak stay. You don't even know him. He knows me. I'm Joey, Joey Evernuckle, and I'm not a pipsqueak. I started working out. I can lift weights over my head now. Five pounders. I know you tipped off Captain Hiltz, Arthur. Well, you tattled on me first, telling Paul about Lorraine. You tattle on me, I tattle on you. That's how it is when you grow up in the real world. Doctor, doctor. Give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Can you shut the door? This is bullshit. Bullshit. Oh, you're just messing with him, right, Jimmy John? The way besties do. No, Paul. I hate that man. I'm glad you're okay, Jim. I'm fucking gladder. Well, I'm gladdest. I'm glad you're all glad. So what happened after I passed out? The building fucking collapsed. There was fruit everywhere, but not real fruit. We almost had a riot on our hands. Hundreds of people were angry there was no free pizza outside. I mean, I was pretty mad, too. Why would people lie like that? You knew there was no pizza, dumbass. Hey! What happened to Julianne? She's in her room with a gun to her head. Captain Hilt stood in the doorway to the room. Arthur stood behind him, flipping me off. Hiltz took a step forward. Whoa, sorry. Only four guests allowed in here at one time. Mr. Locke, if you want to talk to this gentleman, you'll need to vote another person off this island. I mean, out of this room. I forgot we're not on an island. Um, all right. You can kick out the weird kid. My name's Joey. Joey Evernuckle. Yeah, him. You heard him. You've been voted out of the room. But I'm with Edith. Just get the hell out of here, Joey. He's not with me. I saw Edith grimace, but then divert her eyes to the ground. Did she actually like this kid? And stay out. What brings you here, Hiltz? Plan on arresting me again? Locke, can you get Julianne out of her room? She's threatening to commit suicide. If you help us, I'll drop all charges, and I will only force you to clean the egg off my house. Make Arthur clean off the eggs, and you have yourself a deal. Deal. That's bullshit. I just wanted to... No. I needed to talk to Julianne one more time. Hiltz filled me in on what had happened after the Hawaiian Cornucopia Theater had turned into a pile of rubble. Who would have thought that a famous person like Julianne Good would be the Mad Bomber? That's like Brad Pitt robbing a bank, or Ray Liotta being a pedophile, or Adam Sandler making another movie. It's just despicable. We arrived at Julianne's at 8.30 in the morning. My body ached, my head throbbed, I climbed out of Hiltz's car, careful not to bump my wrapped arm. Police officers and camera crews swarmed the outside of Julianne's mansion. Inside, there were even more camera crews. They lined the stairs all the way to the second floor. Captain Hilt stopped at the last step. I continued my way to Julianne's bedroom. Two cops stood outside. 
I nodded to them and they backed off. I'm not coming out. You can't make me. Julianne, it's me, James. James? Yes. Come in, James. I heard the lock click. I waited a moment, took a deep breath, and headed inside. Julianne sat at her vanity. A gun lay on her bed no more than a few feet away. Pills and old black and white headshots of young Julianne littered the floor. I knew you cared for me. Yes. I saw the people outside. I saw the cameras. Are they waiting for me? Yes, they are. I told them I wouldn't leave. But if they have cameras, if they are waiting for their star, this is my time to shine. Darling, do you mind zipping me up? Julianne walked over to me. She turned around so I could zip up her sparkling silver gown. How do I look? She faced me, eyes fluttering, a huge smile with dark red lipstick. Beautiful, Julianne. You look beautiful. At that moment, I realized what every man saw in her. Walk with me? I nodded and held my arm out. My good arm. She took it and we walked out of the room, down the stairs. Every eye was on her, the news cameras rolling. At the bottom of the stairs, Julianne let me go and walked outside. Mr. Baxter? Mr. Baxter? I'm ready for my close-up. And that was the last I saw of Julianne Good. The next day, the front of the Kenneth Heights Gazette was dedicated to Julianne Good, the mad bomber. The writer, Jane Harding. So that's what her last name was. Well, she got her story. Days passed and I tried getting a hold of Jane, but she was avoiding all of my calls. Every day at the office I would ask Edith, but there were no messages from Jane. None. So, she got her story and ran. Good. Fuck her, Mr. J. You could do better. Could I? One stormy afternoon, I made it home just as the rain picked up. Outside my door was a box. I grabbed it and brought it inside. I sat on the couch and unwrapped it. Inside was a tape recorder and a card. I opened the card. Dear Jim, try this out one time. It will help. Trust me. You may find that it suits you better than that notepad. Thank you for the story, Jane. next day at the office I tried messing with it, but the more I played with it, the more I realized I truly did hate technology. You didn't have to rewind a notepad. Before Edith left for the day, I decided to see if she could help me with it. She didn't want to. Not when she found out it was a present from another woman. Who fucking gave this to you, Mr. J? Edith, will you just help me with it? I can't figure out how to record. This thing is fucking stupid. Let me get you another one. No, Edith. Was it that crazy mad bomber bitch? No. 
I heard she's in a metal institution now. I think you mean mental. No, metal. The whole facility is made of steel. She's in a room that was welded shut. What? It's true, I fucking tell ya. Are you going to help me with this or not? I can't, Mr. J. I'm meeting someone soon. I have to go. Meeting someone? Who? No one important. Joey? Joey Evernuckle? Edith's eyes shot to the ground and she turned dark red. Go ahead, Edith. We're just going to a goddamn movie. I don't fucking like him like that. All I could do was smile. Edith left and I went to the bathroom to take a huge-ass piss. I heard the door to the office open and close. Edith? No answer. I washed my hands, and by washed, I mean I spit in my hands and rubbed them together. Edith? I could swear I heard someone come in. Hello? I walked into my office and felt a presence. Something stood behind me. Something big and furry. The chimp. My love, she'd found me. Or he. I really didn't know. Do chimps have the same sexual organs as we do? I'm not a chimpologist. I spun fully around. I was surprised to see a lion. I jumped back, startled. Wait, it wasn't a lion. It was Jane dressed in a lion costume. She threw a bag at me. I caught it. The contents? Another lion costume. Go ahead. Get dressed. Or should I say, undressed? She bit her lip in that erotic way she always did. It made my penis so fucking hard. I thought I may have to call Dr. Doctor. Instead, I stripped and donned my lion costume. I thought I may never see you again, since you got your story. The story's not over. Yet. Hopefully no one takes a picture of us. Who cares if they do, Simba? She bit her lip once again. I couldn't hold back any longer. Like a motherfucking lion, I pounced. Atlas Avenue Beat, written by Robert M. Lamb. Edited by Dylan Whitehead and Robert M. Lamb. Starring Jack Austin as Locke, Amy LeRae as Edith, James Sweezy as Paul, Brian Messick as Arthur, Gina Coyle as Julianne, Lucas Webley as Sheldrake and Dr. Doctor, and Stacey Patron as Jane. Co-starring Mallory Presley, Michael Mola, Chris Butera, Hope Ennis, Dylan Whitehead, Reed Kreiner, Zane Sexton, Curtis Edwards, Justin Stewart, Jerry Swindle, and Robert M. Lamb. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review. Also, check out www.7lamb.com for other podcasts such as this one. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 7lambpodcasts and on Twitter and Instagram at 7lambpodcasts. This 
has been a Seven Lamb production. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 